Today, Michael, we're going to be telling a product journey of a company founded by maybe the world's most famous founder. Well, if we're talking about the founder that's most talked about, it's got to be Elon Musk. Yeah, you nailed it. I'm, I'm trying to think back. We've done product journeys on Tesla before, and we've done PayPal, a company Musk kind of co-founded or merged into. And... Um, have we done SpaceX? We haven't. We haven't. That would be a good one, but that's not today's product journey. It's not. Okay. Um, we're going a different direction. Maybe uh, Neuralink? You got it. Neuralink. Exactly. It's, a, it's another Elon Musk company, of course, one that maybe doesn't get as much airtime as companies like Tesla and SpaceX, but gosh, maybe it ought to. I mean, it's doing some really incredibly interesting work, sometimes mind-blowing. I mean, it's a company that develops ultra-high-bandwidth brain-machine interfaces to connect humans and computers. I mean, basically, they put implants into your brain so you could literally do things simply by thinking about them. I mean, it's pretty fascinating stuff. And sometimes kind of controversial. So I'm sure we'll get into all that right after we roll the intro. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play. Rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. 
This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is and save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. So Neuralink, it's a company founded by Elon Musk back in 2016, uh, but really didn't move out of stealth mode until like 2017. And at that time, he announced Neuralink as a company that would create devices to be implanted in the human brain to basically allow for, I guess, the transfer of data like back and forth between the brain and a computer with the eventual purpose of helping human beings merge with software and keep up, uh, I guess, with the speed of artificial intelligence. Doing this could improve memory or allow for more direct interfacing with computer devices right from your brain. Yeah, Neuralink isn't actually the first Silicon Valley tech company to go down this road. Uh, there are others, including one that was actually co-founded by Brian Johnson, who was the co-founder of Braintree. He founded a company called Kernel that's focused on improving human cognition. Uh, it's another company that's using implants to help connect the human brain to software. And kind of interesting that Brian's former company, Braintree, was actually acquired by PayPal, a company that Musk co-founded long ago. And now they're both focused on solving this completely different problem. Yeah, really interesting. Anyway, before we go too far down the road of what Neuralink is doing, we should probably start with why. Why are they actually doing this? Why brain implants why hasn't this ever been done before? So let's turn to Ayaz Akhtar of CNET to answer these questions um, on CNET's YouTube channel. The implant is trying to track spikes, also known as action potentials. Essentially, an action potential is an electrical impulse. A spike happens when a neuron sends information. Neuralink's brain-machine interface, or BMI, can track the spikes in real time. There is no wearable that can track the spikes because you need to be under 60 microns away from the neuron for tracking. Implants are not a new thing. Neuralink also showed a history of implants dating back to 1957. So why does Neuralink want to implant tech in a brain? To get real-time data from neurons as they fire. So yes, there have been implants before, but not in the brain that close to the spikes or action potentials that are taking place. That's where the innovation of Neuralink comes into play here. But how will you actually place the chip inside of the brain? Well, supposedly, it's not like this big surgery, you know, that I would have thought it would have been. I'll let Elon Musk himself explain it. He's going to do so from this video here at Neuralink's launch event, which took place in 2019. The threads are very tiny and there's a lot of them, and they're very carefully placed. And the, the, the operation on a per-chip basis, it, it involves just a, a two-millimeter two uh, incision, which is dilated to eight millimeters, 
Um, and then the, the, the chev is placed, placed through that, and then it re goes back to being two millimeters, and you can basically glue it shut. Uh, you don't even need a stitch. So, and, and then the, the interface to the, to the, to the chip is, is wireless. So you have no wires poking out of your head. So not one stitch and no wires coming out of your head. I don't know. That's <laughs> pretty interesting right there. Yeah, I feel like no wires out of the head. Like, that should be table stakes, uh, <laughs> at least for going mainstream. But, but yeah, the way that Musk describes the eventual procedure that someone would have to go through, yeah, it's not this major surgery. It's more akin to, you know, getting LASIK, uh, at least Musk says. So you wouldn't even need to step foot into a hospital. So that's just getting the implant into the brain. But that implant has to interact with something else, right? A link that that person would wear on their body, I guess. That implant would interact via Bluetooth, like many of the consumer devices we use today, like your Apple Watch or AirPods, right? And when they're connected, the person with the implant would be able to do certain things simply by thinking about them. And if you think they'd only be able to do this by using some sort of sophisticated computer, you'd be wrong. It would all take place using something that's already inside your pocket. Here's Max Hodak, one of the co-founders of Neuralink and, at the time, president, letting us know what kind of software would be necessary in order to interact with the implants. It'll be controlled through an iPhone app. You won't have to go to a doctor's office and have them have an exotic programmer to, uh, to configure it. And the first thing that you'll have to do is learn to use it. Like imagine if you've never had arms and then suddenly you have an arm and you have to pick up a glass on the table. It's like not a cognitive task. You just like, how, how do you, you can't think your way through that. And so it's kind of a trippy experience at the beginning where like patients, at first it just kind of wanders around and then they figure out how to break the symmetry and they learn how to control it. And, um, and that's like, a, it's a long process. It's like learning to touch type or play piano. And so the, for the first product, um, we're, we're really focusing on three distinct types of control. Um, the first is giving patients the ability to control their mobile device, because we heard from over and over again from patient groups that if you have to have a caretaker around to press buttons for you, what's the point? You might as well have them do the thing. You have to get self-sufficient using, uh, using the devices on your own. And then uh, redirect the output from, from your phone to a keyboard or a mouse on a normal computer. It'll just show up as a, as a Bluetooth mouse or a Bluetooth keyboard, like any keyboard or mouse that you can use on any computer. And as Elon mentioned, this is, now this is a forward-looking statement. There's a whole FDA process we have to go through. We haven't done that yet. This is, this is like, these are aspirations. Um, but we are working as hard as we can towards our first in-human clinical study next year. Okay, so at first, the Neuralink would help people to have basic control over their mobile devices and use things like a keyboard and a mouse on their computer. Those who it would benefit would probably be people like quadriplegics and others who can't function the way that most people can. To them, this would be a very, very big deal. They'd be able to have control over important tasks that a caretaker would normally be needed for. And he references next year, and that year would be 2020. Neuralink would hope to get through all the FDA processes that would be needed in order to start to go through human trials. Considering that they had just gotten started in 2016, it's actually a pretty fast pace to get to the stage. But the vision, again, actually goes beyond helping people who don't have normal everyday functions. The real vision is for humans to keep up with AI, to be supplemented in a way so that the very AI machines that humans are building don't make humans obsolete. I mean, it's pretty black mirror when you think of it, but considering that Musk invested over $100 million of his own money into this business, he's dead serious about the vision. 
it, here he is on the Joe Rogan podcast a couple years back talking about what he sees in the future when Neuralink is used by humans to keep up with artificial intelligence. I think best case scenario, we effectively merge with AI uh, where we AI serves as a tertiary cognition layer uh, where we've got the limbic system, um, kind of the you know, primitive brain essentially, You've got the cortex. So you're, you're currently in a symbiotic relationship. Your, your cortex and limbic system are in a symbiotic relationship. And generally people like their cortex and they like their limbic system. I haven't met anyone who wants to delete their limbic system or delete their cortex. Everybody seems to like both. And the cortex is mostly in service to the limbic system. People may think that the thinking part of themselves is in charge, but it's mostly their limbic system that's in charge. And the cortex is trying to make the limbic system happy. That's what most of that computing power is oriented towards. How can I make the limbic system happy? That's what it's trying to do. Now, if we do have a third layer, which is the AI extension of yourself, that is also symbiotic. Um, and there's enough bandwidth between the cortex and the AI extension of yourself such that the AI doesn't de facto separate, then that could be a good outcome. That could be quite a positive outcome for the future. What he's describing here is basically upgrading the human cognitive abilities by using artificial intelligence. It's not humans versus AI, it's humans plus AI. It may sound crazy, but this is Elon Musk, right? So he is kind of the real life Tony Stark. Uh, I don't know why we're surprised here. <laughs> right. Anyway, Neuralink was off and running and we should really take a short break here. But after the break, we're going to learn more about Neuralink's developments and some roadblocks. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. Before the break, we started to learn about Neuralink, Elon Musk's company that maybe we all haven't heard of compared to his other ventures like Tesla and SpaceX. With Neuralink, he hopes to improve human cognitive abilities by implanting chips into our brains. Yes, really. And in 2019, we saw the launch event from Neuralink where we heard from Musk, co-founder and president Max Hodak, and even other neuroscientists. They were all talking about what Neuralink could do in the future. By 2020, Neuralink was off and running with testing, um, not with humans yet, but rats, monkeys, even pigs. Uh, in fact, the company released what Elon Musk called a three little pigs demo in 2020, three pigs in different pens. Let's actually go to the demo, courtesy of CNET's uh, YouTube channel. So what we have in pen number one is Joyce, uh, and she does not have an implant. <laughs> Obviously, healthy and happy. Um, <laughs> we're trying to get Gertrude out. And this is how you know it's a live demo. So here's Dorothy. Um, and in the case of Dorothy, um, Dorothy used to have an implant, and then we removed the implant. So this is uh, an, a very important thing to uh, demonstrate, is reversibility. So if you 
if you have a neural link and then you decide you don't want it, or you want to get an upgrade and the neural link is removed, um, is it removed in such a way that you are still healthy and happy afterwards? And what Dor Dorothy illustrates is that you can put in the neural link, remove it, and be healthy, happy, and indistinguishable from a normal pig. So Joyce, Gertrude, and Dorothy. Joyce never had the implant. Gertrude has the implant. And Dorothy had the implant, but then it was removed. And they're all seemingly normal acting pigs, at least, I don't know. I'm not a pig expert, but watching the <laughs> demo looked that way anyway. He goes on to show a demo with Gertrude specifically to show how Neuralink can monitor those spikes we learned about before. Um, you're going to hear a lot of beeps. This is all part of the demo, and Musk will explain why we're hearing those. Okay, this is a, a high-energy pig. Um, all right, Gertrude, thanks for coming out. Um, so what you're, the, the beeps you're hearing are real-time signals from the neural link in Gertrude's head. So this neural link connects to neurons that are uh, in her snout. So whenever she snuffles around and touches something with her snout, the, that sends out uh, neural spikes, which are detected here. Um, and so on the screen, um, you can see uh, each, each of the, the spikes from the 1,024 electrodes. And, and then if, you, if she, yeah, she snuffles around, touches this snout in the ground, or you kind of feed her some food, pigs love food, um, then uh, you, you can see the neurons um, will fire much more than when you're not touching the snout. So a really interesting demo, and seemingly the first time it's ever been done, or I don't know, was it? Well, some neuroscientists weren't exactly impressed. <laughs> I mean, the technology, they said, Actually, it's already existed. And it's not to say that there wasn't some innovation happening. Let me explain. Or rather, let me let Nicole Westman and Corey Zaptica of The Verge explain. This is from The Verge Tech YouTube channel right here. Neuroscientists have been recording signals from animal brains since the 1950s. They can listen to what's happening in the parts of mouse brains that remember locations, and they've tracked which neurons in the fish brain go off when they're navigating. It's pretty standard. Other researchers have gone further by actually driving machinery with intercepted brain signals. A study in 2000 taught monkeys to control a robot using a device implanted in their brains. And in 2006, a team used machine brain interfaces to let people who are paralyzed control computer cursors with their minds. There's been a ton of innovation since then, and a lot of very real potential for people with disabilities. So Gertrude made for a good press event, but didn't actually reflect a lot of new brain science. So far, what Neuralink is bringing to the table is a little more nitty gritty. The threads they're using to connect to the brain are an improvement over the rigid spikes used in other systems. These are tiny and flexible, so they're less likely to damage the brain. And they have more electrodes than other interfaces. That means more information being pulled out of the brain. A device that transmits wirelessly and isn't clunky will make a big difference when people actually start using it, too. So the science has been there for a while, but Neuralink has upgraded the tech, which, to be fair, it's still a big deal. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, you know, upgraded the tech, so to speak. <laughs> but Neuralink continues to show progress, and in 2021, there was another video released, and they dubbed it 
Mind Pong. Mind Pong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was essentially a video that showed a monkey uh, supposedly playing the video game Pong with its mind. Yeah, that's definitely going to catch people's attention, right? Yeah, so in the video, it shows a monkey near a video screen with the game Pong playing on it. And at first, the monkey's controlling the game using a joystick. But eventually, the wire from the joystick is removed. Now, that monkey named pager it uh, still uses the joystick control the visuals on the screen but the joystick it's not actually functional the visuals are going to the places that uh the monkey wants it to right because he's using his mind to get them there yeah it's a pretty fascinating video and a lot more interesting, in my opinion, than the video of Gertrude the Pig, even. <laughs> in this video from Wired, Professor Paul Nuyujukian, uh, who is a PhD, gives some commentary about this demo video from Neuralink. Pager was the name. It's a rhesus macaque, which is you know the type of monkey that is very commonly used in this field. Implanted with two of the N1 devices, the Neuralink devices, performing brain control of a cursor on a screen. That's extremely significant because here Neuralink is showing their new hardware, their new device in their hands works in a monkey. That's the level that's necessary to convince the scientific community, to convince the FDA that you're ready to go into human clinical trials. That's the evidence the FDA is looking for. There was definitely a lot of clever engineering that went into that to build a device that can transmit 2048 electrodes worth of spiking information, right, of, of digital ones and zeros of spikes over a radio wirelessly. And when you have that many channels, the performance that you should be able to get should eclipse what we've been able to do in the academic field. You know, the maximum number of electrodes I've ever recorded from is two to 300. The next step for Neuralink would be human trials, but they would need FDA approval first to get to that stage. Yet Musk and his team, they felt like they were well on their way to get there and possibly they could start testing the technology on humans by 2022. Did they get there? And with all this positive momentum, were there any downsides? So more on that after a break. Before the break, we learned more about Neuralink, the brain implant technology that's meant to help people function using only their mind. They released public demos of their technology testing on animals like pigs and monkeys, and it all seemed very promising. Neuralink's goal, however, was to receive FDA approval to start testing their technology on human beings, and that would hopefully come in 2022. But did they get there? That's the big question. Well, let's not skip ahead to the present quite yet, because while this all does sound intriguing and promising, there have been some road bumps and even some controversy. I mean, we're talking about Elon Musk, right? So, of course, there's been controversy. Yeah, of course, of course. But some of this controversy, it doesn't make Neuralink look very good. Here's a clip from the Young Turks sharing more on this. And warning, some of this is kind of graphic. So if you want to, you could skip ahead like a minute to sort of skip over some of these scary details. One of Elon Musk's ventures uh, has led to allegations that uh, there's been cruelty done to animals that uh, the company is testing on. This is one of the less well-known projects that Elon Musk has uh, sought out. It's known as Neuralink, and basically it's known as a brain-machine interface. More details on that in a moment, uh, but they're essentially testing this out on monkeys, and it turns out that uh, 
allegations indicate that these monkeys were pretty severely abused. Many of them died as a result. Um, so in one example, a monkey was allegedly found missing some of its fingers and toes. By the way, warning, it's very graphic what I'm about to read. Uh, possibly from self-mutilation or some other unspecified trauma. The monkey was later killed during a terminal procedure, the group said, in a copy of the complaint shared with the Post. Now, what's this group that's making these allegations? Well, it's an animal rights group um, that is uh, basically claiming that taxpayer money is being used to perform these experiments on these monkeys. And uh, people should know about it considering uh, there's animal, alleged animal abuse involved. Oh, that's, that's horrible. Yeah, and she goes on to share more gruesome details that honestly we're, we're not going to want to get into here. But Neuralink partnered with UC Davis for these animal trials and... They did admit that some monkeys had to be euthanized, but they contend that everything was done in a humane way. From the company itself about this claim, Neuralink commented that, quote, the use of every animal was extensively planned and considered to balance scientific discovery with the ethical use of animals. Now, in reference to the claims of euthanasia by the Physicians Committee, Neuralink stated that, quote, two animals were euthanized at planned end dates to gather important histological data and six animals were euthanized at the medical advice by the veterinary staff at UC Davis. Of course, the nonprofit behind these claims, they disagree with the company. They contend that these experiments involved 23 monkeys in all, and at least 15 of them died or were euthanized by 2020, based on a report of records released through California Open Records Law. Jeremy Beckham, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine's Research Advocacy Director, told the New York Post that pretty much every single monkey that had had implants put in their head suffered from pretty debilitating health effects. They were, frankly, maiming and killing the animals. Yeah, as best as we can tell, it seems like these claims are still pending. So, honestly, who knows what will happen next? But even internally at Neuralink, there's been a lot of turmoil. Yeah, I mean, earlier this year, Fortune released an article titled, Neuralink former employees say Elon Musk applies relentless pressure and instills a culture of blame. In the article, it noted how several key founding team members, they've actually left the company, and that includes Max Hodak, who we learned about earlier. According to the article, Hodak's relationship with Musk became strained. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll read an excerpt from the article. Despite being the de facto CEO, Musk primarily occupied with Tesla and SpaceX, spent little time at Neuralink's offices. He initially dropped by once a week and then later visited the offices only about twice a quarter, often for no more than a few hours, according to the former employees. Often following these visits, former employees say that there were instructions from Hodak to shift priorities, sometimes jarringly. When Musk wasn't there, senior managers struggled to get the billionaire's attention, even though his sign-off was required on major decisions, one former employee recalls. Adding to the dysfunction, Musk encouraged junior employees to email issues and complaints to him directly, bypassing normal management channels. Um, this is again from the employees. Now, Nerdlink employees liken the environment there to being inside of a pressure cooker. That combined with employees, you know, getting mixed messaging from management with questions on who's really in charge and who's running the show. Well. Obviously, it caused a lot of confusion. There's also this general feeling that Musk was criticizing Hodak for not getting to the human trial stage fast enough. Of course, they needed FDA approval to be able to get to that stage. But 
even still, Musk wanted the company to be moving faster. And so in 2021, Hodak left. And while he did post a cordial tweet when he did leave, he didn't exactly go out of his way to counter any claims that there was some tension between he and Musk. Along with Hodak, it ended up being that six of the eight original scientists, including a well-regarded researcher named Philip Sabes, they also left Neuralink. As for those human trials, well, they haven't happened yet. Again, the FDA processes are long and arduous. Of course, Elon Musk isn't exactly the type to be very patient when it comes to all of that, but some things, they can't be skipped over. That said, rival company Synchron Inc., they've been working on some very similar initiatives and they've been around since 2012 and they did get the go ahead in 2021 and announced the enrollment of their first patient in early May 2022 of human trials. So Neuralink may not be the first to do things that Musk actually wants to do, but even still, can they achieve the greatness that they're seeking? I mean, I wouldn't doubt them. I mean, they've made incredible progress in just a few short years, and, and it is Elon Musk at the helm. Yeah, although with all the Twitter drama as of late, I don't know, it could just distract Musk from getting there. Yeah, it could, it could, but... There are still a team of accomplished scientists and researchers that, that are at Neuralink, and I doubt they care very much about an edit button or Twitter bots <laughs> or, or any of that. I imagine those professionals, at least, they'll, they'll probably just, you know, keep doing the work. Yep. Well, time will tell. And as it stands today, there are no human trials in progress with Neuralink. And well, even if some scientists argue that the actual science they're bringing to life isn't anything that new, let's face it, Apple didn't invent the cell phone. Heck, Elon Musk didn't even invent the electric car. So it's not always who's first. Yeah, it's very true. And, and Musk's presence in the space alone, it's attracted more media attention and funding than this space has ever seen before. And, and even those scientific researchers who, who might have been, you know, kind of poo-pooing on the, on the science from Neuralink, I think that they can agree that that additional attention and funding is probably a really, really good thing for everybody. So that brings us today. We'll have to continue to keep tabs on Neuralink, and who knows, maybe we'll have a follow-up episode when the human trials finally do eventually begin. Yes, but for now, that's going to really wrap things up for today. So for Michael Saka, I'm Mike Belsito, and this is Rocketship.fm, and we'll be back next week with more product journeys. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network. And if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.